Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Welcome home, Brains. There's only one requirement to hang out on the edge, is that you open your big brain and close your small mind. Did you bring your thinking caps? It's time to put them on, because the conversation starts Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You are at the spot, the location where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses, what? They're never dull. We're going down to Australia. We're going to see a woman race car driver. I'm excited about that. But she has an incredible story. Her name is L'Oreal Breathwaite. Am I saying that correctly? Breathwaite? Yeah. Yes, Braithwaite, yep, but okay. you can call me LJ, it's a little bit easier. Everybody likes to call her LJ, but I have to let you know who she is when you look for her on the uh, race circuit. Um, we're going to talk about a rare disease that she had fallen victim of, blood poisoning, correct? Correct. Septicemia is what you told Septicemia. me about. I've never yes. heard of that. Um, she had a near-death experience. Again, she loves race cars, but she's also doing some international coaching. So I want to see how she puts all of these ingredients together to create the recipe for success. Let's welcome her to the show. How are you today, LJ? Hello, April. Hello, Brains. It's lovely to be here with you all. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. I still wanted that picture of you in the race car. <laughs> I did get one, but it was a bit murky, so I'll, I'll I'll ensure to get you another one. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about how you show up in the world, LJ. Uh, how I show up. I really, I'm really passionate about helping other people um, realize their dreams, and that has actually helped me realize my dream. So, I guess um, about five years ago, when I got really sick and my whole world turned upside down, so septicemia. Apparently, it's 3% of people survive it when they get it as bad as I did. So I love that I'm embracing life and making the best of all opportunities that come my way. And I encourage the people that I work with um, through my online coaching, through my personal face-to-face coaching, but also through the, the race car driving and the horse scene and my biomechanics business as well. And so... It's a really you have a, you have a biomechanics business. What do you do? You make make uh, bionic parts for people? No, I'm actually a, a human movement therapist as well. So I t- help people with their bodies to get the most efficient um, efficiency out of it for their sporting endeavors. So I work with people from all sorts of sports, but also everyday people as well, so that we can help them optimize their health and fitness to take the most of all the opportunities that come their way. Well, you know, LJ, I'm going to ask you something about that because I see these athletes, I think I asked another trainer, uh, they, you know, pickleball and the injuries that they sustain. You know, I sit here and watch our American football or track and field and how do they bounce back in five days? I don't get it. Do they put them, take them in the office and inject them with some steroids or something? Because if I fall down, I'm down out two weeks, three weeks. I just don't know how they bounce back so quick. Everybody has the capacity to heal at different levels and that's completely fine. Uh, Athletes are particularly, uh, I guess we're a little bit more stubborn in terms of um, we know our bodies intricately. We're fast, we're fit. 
where we know how far we can push, but we also trust the team we have around us for to keep us in that optimum health. Okay. So you had found out that you had blood poisoning. What what kind of head trip did that put you on? I mean, it was like, okay, how do we fix it? And then you found out that, you know, the mortality rate was unbelievable. Was that so for me? in shock for me i didn't get any warning i just i went to bed on my birthday it was actually my birthday i'd just been a little bit tired i was competing and um training horses at that stage as well as running a business and just didn't think anything of the fatigue and basically went to bed and didn't wake up so i had a big gap in my my world for about a week week and a half and when i came to my beautiful kids had to um, come and say goodbye to me they were told that i wouldn't survive it Mm. My family, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't just affect the person, it affects their family as well. But well, because love, of the high... They love you. They love you. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the high temperatures that they experienced, I found um, I found it really hard to be able to string sentences together. Um, I was told I'd never walk, uh, sorry, work again. I was told that my world as I knew it um, was completely changed and I would be you know dependent on people um, I'd probably always have ongoing health issues that they couldn't predict and they didn't know what caused the septicemia and they couldn't predict that it wouldn't happen again to me so here I am five years later living my best life in terms of um, when you have a health crisis you see what people around you are made of and unfortunately um, it took a toll on my then relationship however like a true, um, like a true spirited athlete that I, I like to think of myself as. You get up, you regroup, you keep going, you find a way through, and life is better than ever. I'm racing, I'm riding still, I'm working. I've now got two businesses. I'm still doing the biomechanics. I've been um, mentoring around the world with some amazing students and people working in personal and business corporate leadership and just launched a podcast with a business uh, companion of mine. Well, when do you have time to come up for air? Well, <laughs> what, what a blessing. And the most important thing is that you have a testimony, you know, as to how you were able to bounce back. Um, and brains, you know, healthcare professionals, I love you, uh, but life and death is not in your hands. Okay, I don't know if you guys it's got not. a memo. Um, it's about faith, endurance, and when the creator says that your time is up. So they can predict all these things, but you proved them wrong. Was that by some of your own doing? I mean, did you really uh, dive deep into your spirituality, um, wellness choices, options, getting well, taking your health back in your own hands? Is that something that you did? 100%. And I know that there'll be people in the brain's community who may have experienced something really similar. So it does affect septicemia, affects everybody very differently. But the mortality rate's quite high, unfortunately, when it gets that severe. I found a resilience and a grit that I didn't even know I was capable of, thanks to some very beautiful friends of mine that were there. Even my clients at the time through my biomechanics field, they were amazing as health um Health episodes, you see the best and the worst in people, unfortunately. And I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. And even in the worst, what we perceive is the worst is because we have an expectation. And I tell people that, yeah. you, you, you know, 
you have to be careful with that. You can't determine what your pet bulldog is going to do. They have a mind of their own. Some people can't tolerate watching someone suffer. Uh, some people don't have the bandwidth to be a caregiver. Some people just completely shut down and say, okay, this is not something I want to deal with. There's a lot. But then again, like you said, there's the people that are the soldiers that stand there, that hold you up, that hold space for you, that love you, that walk beside you. And not that the other people didn't necessarily love you. They just did not have the capability to do what we expect them to do. So watch those expectations, brains. They can they can be pretty tricky and they can be unrealistic a lot of times. As you work through Absolutely. the process of healing, what sort of things did you do? Did you look at alternative, um, you know, alternative medicines to, you know, try to help you? Because blood poisoning, that's that's pretty intense. It is pretty intense. I did. Uh, I had every antibiotic um, that they were prepared to give me. So the antibiotics were not a, um, a fallback tool for me. Um, I looked into alternatives. One thing I'm really passionate about is um, holistic health because I know how it keeps me optimal. I had to totally rebuild my intestinal tract from the inside out. So being very kind and compassionate with myself, um, looking at natural therapies was a really big one to get myself through consulted so many different people and went with what resonated with me that's probably the biggest message I can say your intuitiveness yes yes so one thing that this whole experience or that whole experience taught me was through the borrowing the light from the beautiful people I had around me in my darkness that's what I choose to do with the chance I've been given to be here still because I'm, I'm not meant to be here so Life 2.0, it's about helping somebody else find the light in their own darkness. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so that light is shining ever so bright. It's a little bit about the horses. I had another guest uh, two, three episodes ago that does horse therapy. And uh, she has a retreat and she works with people that are recovering from addiction. They say that, you know, horses now, my horse story is not pleasant. I went horseback riding and I got on that sister and she galloped and went. I seemed like she was going 100 miles an hour. And I was holding on and she was big and she was powerful and she was in control. I wasn't in control. I was a nervous wreck. I was pulling on those reins trying to get her to stop and she wouldn't stop. We got close to the edge of the cliff and then she just stopped all of a sudden. I politely got down, gave her a couple of carrots, a sugar cube. Told her thanks, but we're walking back. <laughs> and I haven't been <laughs> on a horse since. Horses can, they can smell your fear. They look at you a certain kind of way as if they're reading your mind. Tell me a little bit about your experiences with horses. Horses are really intuitive creatures, I guess, or animals. I've always had them. For me, it's about building the partnership and the relationship with the horse. It's the only sport at um, an Olympic level where your partner in your team, um, for example, one of my horses, he's 900 kilos. He's a big boy. He's an independent thinking team partner. So we have to be able to really cohesively um, put that team partnership together. Uh, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes um, consistency. It takes com communication on a completely different level. 
And I think that that's been a very big part of my healing process because they know, they intuitively know when things aren't right. We've seen uh, other brains um, members who are in the horse world, they know. We, you see um, pictures pop up of, say, the Queen's Guards horses and where they won't let anyone stand next to them, but then they'll have a beautiful child who's a little bit um, compromised and that horse knows that that person needs compassion they are a beautiful soul leveler for your energy but they also are very big givers of energy as well and there's a trust factor a hundred percent they have to trust you as well as you have to trust them because everybody has their own opinion so what did you do with the horses were you an equestrian rider yeah so i'm um, a dressage rider I'm still, still, I'm not up there by any means. I'm just, for me, it's about the partnership, developing the, um, the relationship with my horses, the training. I really love training horses to a level that um, we can have some fun and we'll go out and compete when we can. I've had a bit of a hiatus with it for probably the last 18 months with work situation sort of sorting itself out. And now we're back into it full steam ahead for the dressage season to come. Well, that's amazing. And you know what? It's expensive. That's an expensive hobby too. You know, <laughs> All hobbies are expensive. I know, but, and it's a certain strength that you have to have in your core to stay up on that horse. You have to maintain a certain weight too, don't you? I mean, you know, to be competitive. Um, yeah. Well, every rider it's a, needs a degree of fitness, I guess. Think of it like an aerobics. Have you ever done like a step class, an aerobic step class? So it's like doing an aerobic step class on a mini trampoline for four hours is the equivalent of um, a six-minute ride as far as energy goes. So we expend a lot of energy. Riders come in all different shapes and sizes, but don't underestimate their fitness, compassion, and their dedication to their sport and their horse. Oh, I bet. So you go from a four wheel horse drive to a 220 horsepower horse drive yeah tell us about the race car how in the world did you get behind the seat of a race car with a helmet <laughs> uh thank you so much for asking um during part of my recovery i had some beautiful friends and i've, I've always wanted to race as a kid and didn't really get the opportunity to to fulfill that dream however uh, the saying is that when things are meant for you, they will always find a way and the opportunity presented itself. And I grabbed it with both hands. I haven't looked back. It is so, so much fun. I'm not sure if you can see the car behind me here. <laughs> That's one of the cars that I raced right. there. So, yeah. um, We've got another car as well now. So we're a two-car team, which is really awesome. It's circuit racing because there is a number of different races. I think I'm the oldest rookie, which I love. Um, it's so much fun, April. If you ever get the chance to do it or sit in the passenger seat, it is just well, so much fun. You know, I was in the hospital one time. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I told you the story. I was in the hospital. And uh, the girl next to me loved the NASCAR. And I wanted to hit the morphine button and go to sleep. <laughs> and, and I was like, what is this all about? And she was just enamored with watching these cars go 200 miles an hour, 200 times around the track. I didn't see what the fascination was, but 
you know, when you look at the skill, the timing, the precision, how many cars are on there, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to win, but I would have such a headache and it is very, very dangerous, but that's what people like. They like the thrill. We've had a lot of issues here in the United States where there hasn't been a cage or a barrier so much from the track and the actual audience. So we've had some pretty horrific crashes that have happened. And you don't want to think about that. But again, I guess when you've come so close and you had a near-death experience before, um, the transition isn't as unnerving as to someone that may not know, not believe, or never seen. Tell us a little bit about your, do you remember a lot about your out-of-body experience? Um, not enough to really know if it was true or not. It's it's a bit of a weird one. So there's a big gap there. Uh, there's things that I'm not sure if I remember or, or not. So well, I know what it's, it's a little bit of a challenging one. Is that you were saved by grace. I don't know, you know, what that looks like. Um, there's a lot of I'm here for a reason. Exactly. They say that they, they transition, that they've seen things. What did that teach you about being grateful and about life after your recovery? Always come from a grateful heart and a service nature. My whole career, even as a kid, uh, with any of the jobs that I've chosen to have, have always been in a service nature. Um, it, what it did is just fuel that passion to to really help other people, to do it in a way that was mind, body and spirit, to be more community-minded, but also to put myself out there a little bit more because the world needs more love. They do, and you're a mere reflection of that love. Tell us a little bit about the work that you do with your clients uh, and your coaching program. Fantastic. Thank you for asking. The We've just launched our podcast and we wanted to um, sort of take some of the coaching concepts onto the airways and, and get people thinking about their world and how that they do have choice and they do have the opportunity to make change should they choose to. Our clients are either um, personal clients or business clients. We get out and talk in front of groups. We love work, working with all groups, especially live. Um, building teams, I guess coaching is more about building the relationship with people, whether it be in a team environment, it always starts with you. Your relationship with yourself is the longest relationship you're ever going to have. If you can't get that one right and you don't have the respect, the boundaries, the values to hold up a mirror to yourself, all your other relationships are going to be a reflection of that, whether they be personal, whether they be community or whether they be business relationships. So we like to go and challenge people to think more about their world, how they can, how they actually show up and then talk to other um, amazing local heroes. We've got some great interviews coming up with people who are just doing their thing in a very what they see is a very small way but they're having a very big impact we want to showcase those local heroes around australia that's really neat and then also share shed a light on that and be a an example for others and the youth you know i noticed that young people are different now they're not as civically civil was it civic 
I think it's civic minded. Civically minded. Yeah, civically minded. You know, a lot of volunteering. Well, I take that back. It depends on certain causes. If you're talking about the environment, if you're talking about food, if you're talking about technology, if you're talking about saving TikTok, <laughs> you see them out in full force. When you talk about spirituality or you talk about uh, politics or um, things of that nature, you don't see them engaged as much. Is that just a sign of the times? Is that not as important as it used to be? You know, I think, and this is just purely my perspective, there are a lot of amazing young people out there doing things quietly um, because that's what suits them. Unfortunately, in a technological age, we've become disconnected. We've never been more connected, but we've never been more disconnected at the same token. And we've come across some amazing young people who are doing phenomenal things in their communities, in their schools. Some of them as old as nine or 10 that just get passionate about seeing injustices and they want to help within their little community, like their school group. And that is a, a beautiful starting point. Everybody has the capacity to make a change. If we think of the ripple effect, it only takes one person to create a ripple and we can all jump on board with something more positive if we choose to. Exactly. But perspective is a wonderful thing. Exactly. What would you tell a young woman, 25, 26 years old, unsure of herself, doesn't know, you know, we have this expectation that 18 is this magical number and that abracadabra, you're going to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. You're going to have a plan. And you, you just finished high school. What would you yeah. tell a, a young woman that's, that's struggling right now to just kind of put things in perspective and to start making a niche, carving a, carving a space for herself? I'd, I'd tell her to just breathe and be consistent, put one foot in front of the other, to trust herself and her intuition, to know what she needs, and also to be really really respectful of her boundaries and her morals and her beliefs because they are what will get you through. They are what are going to find you, the people that you're meant to hang around with, the opportunities that are meant for you and give you the, I guess, the experiences that you need. When we don't trust ourselves and we put our, I like to, if I, if I can bring it back to a driving metaphor, it's like you're sitting in the driver's seat of your whole lo- of your life, but you're handing the steering wheel to the passenger. So many people do that. Oh, yes, exactly. They let you drive the train. And you have to be careful of the naysayers and the noise. You have to have an idea of who you are. And it's hard. You know, people always say, I'll take you back to your essence, to who the person that you really are. Well, I don't know how I feel about that because... We have two different life experiences. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 61 years old. I'm an African-American woman living in the United States, married to a man for 39 years, you know, love a good margarita, (laughs) have a kid. Your life can be very different. You know, you went through some, some illnesses. You like horses. You drive a race car. So for us to work together, Mm -hmm. we have to go deep and pull back all the layers of the onion and find out who we really are and how we connect one-on-one because I can't just allow someone to drive my car and you have no idea of the direction 
where I've come from or where I'm headed. You, you don't know. So it's working with and finding a coach is essential. What are some of the key things that you think people should look for when they're looking for a coach, someone to help them navigate life's challenges? Well, great question. Thank you so much. For the brains community that are listening and for yourself, you don't want a coach who's going to just tell you what you want to hear. You want somebody who's going to lead by example, who's going to call you out on some of your things that you're avoiding because it's in the 20% of the 20% effort that most people won't do is where the change happens and where the opportunities come from. Okay. All right. So, that's so you need to have someone who you can work with in that, in that way that you resonate with on a level and somebody that you look at their world and how they show up and you go, that's a great example for me. Right. That's what I said. When I pick a coach or a mentor, I need to see the characteristics exuding out of their pores. I need yes. to actually see you be a living example of what it is I want to achieve. But also, I'm looking to outgrow you because I Absolutely. don't want to stuck. Um, you know, if I have a coaching client and they have to come back to me, because I only coach five people a year. Uh, and if they come back to me with the same issue, I look at myself and say, how did I not do that? Or possibly, how did they not do the work? Because again, you got to show up and do the work. You can give a person, you know, LJ, all the tools in the world. You can give them the best saddle. But if you don't know how to get on that sucker and hold them reins and ride, <laughs> you might get thrown off, you know. So Absolutely. It, it's a lot going on there. Let's ask you some fun questions outside of the race. Okay. Well, yeah, we can ask you some questions about the race car. <laughs> What's the fastest you've ever driven the car? Um, I've had that car behind me to 205. It's only a little four-cylinder. Um, I've had a V8 a little bit quicker, but we won't say how quick. <laughs> so are you a professional racer? Uh, I guess uh -huh. I guess I'm more what you call an amateur racer. Well, I mean, because it's my my time, my car. I'm still um creating sponsors, um, which is really wonderful to be having some sponsors come on board. Yeah, there's a couple African American women that are in the racing uh in the racing world here that's really turning it on its head. If you were a car, not that race car, any car, what kind of car would you be? Oh, that's a great question. I'm a little bit partial to the Chevy Camaro. Those things really? are amazing. I love them. You yeah. like that horsepower. Vroom. <laughs> and it's, it's the look as well. I don't know what it is. They're just a little bit classic and a little bit different with some hidden talents underneath. And I think that that's, that's a nice way to be. Yeah, I think I'd be a 1974 VW van. <laughs> I love that. Hot pink with hippie flowers hippie on the flowers. side. Mattress in the back, little kitchenette, just a little camper, just somewhere just that I could snuggle up and, and tuck myself in. If you were a flower in the garden, LJ, what flower would you be? Oh, great question. Uh, I, I really like carnations. They come in lots of different colors. They, they have a nice fragrance. They're a happy flower. They are, and they last a long time. 
Well, they do last a long time. They do. You know, you'll cut them and they'll last two weeks easy. So longevity. <laughs> that speaks to your character. Absolutely. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be? Oh, I think I'd be the kettle because I seem to be the go-to person for a few people. So oh, okay. everyone needs hot. coffee. Yep, hot, <laughs> steamy. I get it. <laughs> I would probably be uh, the uh, air fryer. Okay. Because you, you use a little bit of grease. It's easy to clean. You still get things crispy and juicy. So, I like that. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be, LJ? How do you want to be remembered? Well, as someone who's kind of compassion and gave hope to people that in their world, I want to be, my mission is to light 100,000 hearts in some way. Now, whether that's, if I light your heart, then you can go and light five hearts and then you're part of my journey to light 100,000. Absolutely. It's the multiple brains. It is the absolute multiple. You have been a wealth of information. Thank you so much for sharing and giving and caring and being here to be a living testimony as to what uh, tenacity and a mindset can do um, and, you know, taking care of yourself, taking your health you. back. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you. I'd love for them to work with you, consult with you. Um, and again, brains, she's just a point and a click away. I'm in San Diego. She's in Australia. So don't let the, uh, don't let the space fool you. How do they get in contact? <laughs> uh, we have our website, which is coach talk. It's um, C uh, C O A C H T O R Q U E. Got to have a little bit of horsepower in there. Um, dot com dot au uh you can drop us an email at admin at coachtalk.com.au we're on facebook we're on all the socials as well with our podcast uh that's the best way to and before we close tell us a little bit about the premise and the podcast what do people have to look forward to when they tune in we have the most amazing conversations my business partner dave and i um we wanted to let people in on the topics that we explore as a, as human beings. We explore coaching, how it affects people, different perspectives, random thoughts that just really spark people's curiosity around their world, their life. Well, come and join us. Come and join in and let us know what people think about the podcast. Exactly. And it's so important, Brains, that when you go in and you take a listen, um, we value and honor your time because we couldn't do what we do unless we have people like you that tune in. So I need you Absolutely. to right here. Love, like, share, and subscribe. Love, Absolutely. like, share, and subscribe to my podcast as well as LJ's. Leave a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Give us some feedback. Is there anything that you might want us to cover? Is there something that, you know, we can agree to disagree but not be disagreeable? about all these things is stimulating a conversation and it's growth and that's what we need to do because people nowadays are seeming to be uh in this deafening echo chamber and they're reverberating negativity they're not leaving themselves any space to grow uh they're getting stuck and so we don't want to do that we want to let you know that there's still fertile soil plant your feet in solid ground water it, cultivate it, but also extend an olive branch to others. Thank you so much, uh, LJ. You are the business. Keep racing, girl. I'm watching. Thank you so much, April. Thank you, Brains. All right. Bye-bye.
Bye, Brains. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.